When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, it's Ellis. Before we get into today's Orange and Brown Talk podcast, I want to tell you how you can get signed up for Football Insider. Visit cleveland.com slash browns and click the blue banner at the top of the page. That'll give you exclusive access to content, a daily newsletter, and insider text messages from myself, Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, and Scott Pascoe. Everyone expects this to be a memorable Brown season. Make the most of it by becoming a Football Insider subscriber. All right, let's get to the show. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. My name's Ellis Williams, joining you live on a Sunday night after the Browns lose 33-29 to the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. I'm joined by our team of Browns writers, of course, Mary Kay Cabot, Dan Lobby, Scott Pascoe, and Doug Maurice. We're going to dive right into this. When you survey the league, a, a lot of the big, t- big name teams lost. The Buffalo Bills losing among... Others, here we are now with the Browns in a spot to, despite losing, we can make a good case for why they're the second best team in the AFC still, yet they don't get the job done today. So the question I want to start this podcast off with is, assuming there's a rematch, assuming that's where this is all headed, what can the Browns do to finally beat the Kansas City Chiefs? Of course, they're now 0-2 in their past two games against them, both in Arrowhead, and they played a near-perfect game today and fell short. Dan, let's start with you. How in the world can the Browns defeat this Kansas City? Wait, can I interrupt? Can I interrupt? The punter dropped the ball. So I am going to slightly push back on near-perfect game. Sorry. The so punter du- so du- we're going to start with Doug. We're going to start with Doug. The ball. No, no, no. No, I just want to interrupt on near-perfect game and say <laughs> the punter dropped the ball. Dan can go ahead. He's in Kansas City. I'm in my basement. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I think that's the point, though, right? Is like – the punter dropped the ball. Nick Chubb fumbled. Baker Mayfield threw an interception when he was trying to throw the ball out of bounds. Like, you can't do that stuff against Kansas City. You can't do that stuff against most teams. But this Kansas City Chiefs team strikes so fast and is such a well-oiled machine that you just you can't make those mistakes like that. You just can't hurt yourself. You're never going to play a perfect game. I mean, there's, there's no such thing as a perfect game. The Chiefs didn't play a perfect game today. But they're so – they just punish you when you make mistakes. And I, I just think that's what happened today. And, and you get these plays. I mean, I asked John Johnson after the game, is there any other quarterback-receiver combo that can make the play that Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill made on that, that 75-yard touchdown? And he just said, no, he doesn't think there is one. He thinks they're the only one. That's what the Chiefs are. That's what they do. And that's what makes them so difficult. Like, you can have a great roster. You can check every single box – that it takes to go win the Super Bowl. And then sometimes the Chiefs just have Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, and Travis Kelsey. And you just can't open that door, even in the slightest for them. Doug, are you putting this all on Jamie Gillen? Is that, is that how you're opening the well, spot? I mean, now you now you got to defend yourself. Well, I, I guess I need to ask Kevin Stefanski, what, what are the drills for the don't drop the ball, you punter? Hey, punter, don't drop the ball. How do you need to work on that? 
in, uh, in practice because it's insane. And, and, and it is rough. Listen, the Nick Chubb thing, I remember whatever, was it two years ago, right? Was it in New England where he mm-hmm. fumbled twice? And it was like, well, they actually might have beaten the Patriots on the road and like changed the shape of Fitch- Freddie Kitchen's career in Cleveland. And their best running back who never fumbles just fumbled. And it was like, well, don't do that. But it's like, but he never does that. And so he fumbled today at like the worst possible time, but he's not a fumbler, right? Am I, uh, we don't think Nick Chubb's a fumbler, do we? Or is he? No? Okay. No, so he had a given, huge like, reputation for not fumbling before he got to the NFL. He's only had, that was his fifth. Okay. And is Jamie Gillen a dropper? Like when you guys are in the locker room, does he drop things? Does he drop his food? Right? I mean, so the, a guy who's not a fumbler fumbled and a guy who's not a dropper dropped it. And that's two gigantic plays. And if those things don't happen, they probably win. So uh, to, to some extent, I mean, like Dan, of course, like, of course, Dan is right. Like you can't do that. But I don't know what the drills are to make them not do that. Right? You know what I mean? Like, it's not like it was under pressure. It's not that it was, I didn't think it was loose and careless. It was just sort of inexplicable. So now, you know, you're on the road in Kansas City against the best team. Maybe that is pressure and, and it, whatever, your hands get sweaty. But it just feels like, man, that was some bad luck. The rest of the time they were fine. So I don't, I don't even, like part of it is like, I'm just, I, I don't even know that there's anything to learn other than like, well, don't do that, except you're probably not get, You think how many fumbles is Nick Chubb going to have the rest of this year? You think Jamie Gillen will drop a punt, will drop a snap for no reason again this year ever? Will he ever do it again in his career? It killed him. It absolutely hey, killed him. Yeah, Mary Kay Cabot, you've covered more Browns games than anyone on this podcast by far. Your takeaways, is it as – there's got to be something to learn here, right, aside from a, a, a muff-fielded punt? Yeah, well, a couple of things. Um, absolutely, um, 100%. Could you guys hear me okay right now? Yep, you're good. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, so the takeaway, the big takeaway for me is – I mean, Patrick Mahomes is amazing. There is a reason why this football team has gone to uh, three AFC championship games and the last two Super Bowls and won one and why he's the Super Bowl MVP. He's different. I mean, he's different. He put on the Superman cape and he was amazing in that second half. And he does have those two guys that even though you know you have to stop Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, you can't do it or they couldn't do it in this particular game. So I, I think that, you know, the biggest thing is uh, that, you know, like Dan mentioned on a video that we did, yeah, the Browns man for man have a better roster than the Kansas City Chiefs from top to bottom. But they don't have Patrick Mahomes yet. I thought Baker Mayfield did some really good things in this game, but an amazing quarterback trumps a lot of things, okay? Mm-hmm covers up for a lot of whatever deficiencies you might have. That football team has some serious deficiencies, the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I thought at 22 to 10, the Browns were going to put it away. Now, when you talk about the Browns just made some mistakes that they're never going to make again, I think another thing to remember is this is a team that went to the, the last two Super Bowls. So they're going to make you make mistakes. You know, Thornhill's going to get a hat on the ball and knock it out of there and force that fumble, you know, because Nick didn't just drop it. So they forced him into that mistake. Um, you know, they, they basically forced Baker into that mistake at the end too. So I, I think they had something to do with it. I don't think that the Browns just became the bad news bears in the second half. 
I think they ran into a really, really good football team. And even though the defense has its deficiencies and was out without Teron Matthew today and without Frank Clark, uh, that's another thing, you know, if they meet again, Odell could be back. Frank could be back. I mean, that's a long time from now, but you know, they didn't have some of their top guys. Um, and they, they still are a good defense that knows how to make plays. And so, you know, I just think that it's going to be the same kind of game again, if they meet again, where you're going to have the amazing Superman quarterback that you have to try to solve and a defense that is going to give you some kind of fits that some of these inferior defenses that you run up against just can't do. But it is bad news bears. The punter dropped the snap. They led the whole game until the punter dropped the snap and set up a 15 yard touchdown drive for Kansas city. The chiefs did nothing to do that. He just dropped the ball. And if he punts it normally and makes him drive 75 yards. Okay. So I like, I don't, I'm not trying to say you don't learn anything from this, but we also, we, I mean, of course, Patrick Mahomes is Superman. He's been Superman for three years. I do. I am very curious about a discussion of whether the Browns were aggressive enough with their play calling in the second half. But again, they came back and scored a touchdown right after the Chubbs fumble. Right. And it felt like the chiefs when they got the ball and went seven yards, seven minutes or whatever to start the first half, they were practically trying to keep Baker Mayfield off the field. The way you think the Browns would want to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. So I don't know if anybody thinks there are things Kevin Skafanski can do better from a play calling standpoint once they get the lead. But man, you knew. I mean, every there's no lead safe when Patrick Mahomes is on the other team. We knew that. That's not a surprise. That's not a surprise to anybody. So you've got to find a way to hold on. And I don't I wonder as much as we like the idea of Nick Chubb salting games away in the fourth quarter. I wonder if that's not the way to do it against the Chiefs. Do you have to keep throwing the ball as much as they did in the first half, but also they just had two killer mistakes? I don't know. I'm very curious if you guys think they need to be more aggressive in the second half or that that was not the case at all. You know, Doug, I I think that's a really interesting point. Sorry, Scott. Um, Because I did think it was a little strange, and I have to go back and rewatch before I can make any definitive statement. I did think the offense looked different in the second half. And they had bigger than the Jamie Gillen dropped punt is the fact that they were punting, right? They just had empty possessions in the second half over and over again. I mean, I'm looking here uh, after the 75-yard touchdown, they have the, the empty possession that ends in the punter dropping the snap, but it would have been an empty possession if he got rid of the ball. Uh, then they have another empty possession. And then they have uh, the, the Baker Mayfield interception to end the game against Dallas last year. They gave up a huge lead against Tennessee last year. They gave up a huge lead. Maybe it is something to kind of put a pin in and and keep an eye on when the Browns have these leads. How are they approaching these second halves? I I do think that's a good point. Go go ahead, Scott. I think I interrupted you there. You you said exactly what I was going to say. (laughs) I come away from this game thinking I like starting to see a trend because yeah, they played this game at least four times last year. The only difference is they won them all four of those games. Uh, This time they didn't. They got big leads in, you know, like you said, Dallas and the Steelers twice, uh, the Titans. And the fact that that keeps happening, like, Doug, you said no lead is safe against the Chiefs. That No Browns lead seems to be safe. Uh, they, 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 they don't blow teams out. That's just their biggest win last year, I think, was the Giants, 20-6. to six. Um, Even that Washington game, they let them back in it before they had to pull away in the fourth quarter. So, um, I mean, make of that what you will, but that's 
it happened again, and this time they finally lost that game. Now, to be fair, the, the, the drive that led to the Jamie Gillen drop snap started with a pass play where Jack Conklin got beat and gave up a sack. So it's not like they ran Nick Chubb into the middle of the line and got a one-yard gain, and all of a sudden they're in third and, young, third and long. They're trying to throw, and like at the worst time that the all-pro multi-gazillion-dollar right tackle can get beat, he gets beat, and he gives up a sack, right? So um, I, I, I do feel like that – but that is anything, right? Like I, Kevin Stefanski, I think, has 20 weeks to study all his play-calling tendencies and strategies to be, be prepared for – what is the ideal play to call once we're up two scores on the Chiefs? What do we do? And, I, and even if this wasn't wrong, I think he can learn more about it because to Mary Kay's point at the start, man, Patrick Mahomes just gives you nightmares. And you're not going to stop him. Although I get it. Are we, was that a great pass? It was end over end, the one that <laughs> John Johnson allowed. It looked like – I mean, it, 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 looked it looked like the looked Super like Bowl throw. It looked like the Super Bowl throw versus the Niners. So, like, are we impressed by that? I know on TV they were impressed that, like, hey, roll into his right and throw him back to his left. Nobody can make that throw. You know, if John Johnson plays a little better, it's a pick. And then I go, are we saying Patrick Mahomes is a genius? Or, like, I, I don't know. That was, that was not exactly awe-inspiring while it was in the air. It just happened to turn into a 75-yard touchdown. Yeah, poor John Johnson. Like you mentioned, Ellis, he's been on the wrong end of two of those throws now. Yep. And it, it flipped – it went from the 25-yard line to the 30-yard line. I mean – say what you want about the ball. It's just the, the distance and the inability to track something that high and that far in the air. Uh, I, I want to ask you this open-ended question. Did, what did we learn about the Cleveland Browns today? Or are we leaving with more questions than answers in terms of where they stand against the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, you know what? I think one of the things to keep in mind is the fact that this was the first time all these defensive players played together uh, in, in the same game, okay? So when you have eight or nine new starters on defense, uh, you know, and you throw them out there together, they never even practiced together. I saw them practice together maybe, you know, five times. Uh, so, you know, it's going to take a while to figure out who's going to be where and what they have to do. Just, and by the same token, the offensive line of the Kansas City Chiefs has, is completely overhauled as well. So, you know, I think as, as you look at this game uh, down the road and, they, and when they probably will meet again, uh, you know, you're going to have the Browns, you know, of course you have to, let's just assume everybody's healthy that was here. Um, you know, their defense should be a better oiled machine than it was today, just in terms of who's doing what, where, and when. And um, then I think that you can expect the Chiefs offensive line to be working better together too so uh you know it'll be interesting to see how they match up at that point but you know i think that was one of the big takeaways for me was that there there's talent on this defense i mean there's plenty of talent on this browns defense but i do think that they need uh to get in sync a little bit with some things yeah, Mary Kay, to your point, no Grant Delpit inactive, and then Ronnie Harrison played five snaps before he was ejected for, we'll say, losing his emotions in, in, in what was a very un, un, uh, uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic-like um, play from a Kevin's fancy coach team. Uh, you guys, do, did we learn more about the Browns or more questions as a, as a, as a team up or square up against Kansas City? 
I, I got a question. Where was Donovan Peoples-Jones? I know he was on the field, and I know he was running around a lot. One target, uh, and it was in the fourth quarter. It was, uh, I think it was the third down. play. picked up first down. That was it. His only other time he touched the ball was that weird punt where he, I, I'm not sure why he was trying to field that uh, near the goal line, but, you know, that was it. This was a guy who we all raved about during the preseason and training camp and looked like the heir apparent to, you know, whoever ends up leaving in front of him. And, uh, and it was just, it was strange the way this game went. There was, I, I leaned over to Dan at the end, like seven minutes left to go. I'm like, there is no way Donovan Peoples-Jones doesn't catch the winning touchdown pass in this game. I was just totally expecting it because that's what he does. He, he makes that one play that makes you think he had 20 catches and, and that's what you remember, but it just never happened. And it was, Stefanski said it's just the way the game went, but I, I just, I don't know. If that had been Odell Beckham Jr., they would have found a way to get him the ball long before the fourth quarter. Uh, so it was just odd to see one of their receivers who was among those getting the most snaps today not really be a factor as far as you know, catching the ball goes. Did, did Schwartz get the balls that would have gone to OBJ or no? Was that a different part of the offense? Or was he playing Odell light there? No, I, I think they had a package of plays specifically in for Anthony Schwartz. I think he would have had – I think he would have had those plays even if Odell had played, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, I, I think they wanted to get him involved and utilize his speed. Um, I mean, I think they made a, a better effort to get the ball to Kareem, and I had written a column saying they needed to capitalize on the emotion. We have talked about that before. I think they did a good job of that, a much better job of that. Um, but, you know, we didn't – yeah, it, I don't know. I mean, there were, there were things that you, you know, that you do wonder about a little bit. I agree that they did get a little conservative in the second half when you know the Chiefs are going to come out gunning for it. I mean, just know that they are going to come out with their hair on fire and that they are going to go for it. And that's the time where you got to keep your foot on the gas and don't let up. But they didn't come out with their hair on fire. They came out with like a simmer. They looked like the Browns in the first drive of the second half marching, Mm -hmm. right? That they, the the Browns were playing soft and the, and the chiefs marched down the field and then, and then Nick fumbles. So I don't, it is hard to get a read. It's like, of course you can't, I mean, mistakes change games, especially between two good teams, but, I would have liked – I wondered what the rest of that Chubb drive – if he didn't fumble, what would it have looked like? We would have gotten a better feel for something because, yes, the Chiefs came out and did that, but it wasn't quick strike. It took half the third quarter. They practically froze Baker. And so I, I wonder there – I just I'll just read them to you guys because they happen to have them in front of me. Targets in this game. Njoku, Landry, and Schwartz, five each. Hunt and Hooper, three each. Chubb and Bryant, two each. One for Peoples-Jones one for Andy Janovich. So that's Njoku, Landry, and Schwartz tied for the league in targets, which may be – for the team lead in targets, which may be surprising. This team should be allowed to get conservative in the second half. They have one of the best rushing attacks in the league. And the way they rotate Chubb and Hunt – I mean, Chubb 10 yards per carry in the fourth quarter last year. That's – they shouldn't have to keep keep up the pace they had in the first half. They should be able to drain the clock and – and not have to take as many risks. Um, just you would think, based on how they performed in the past, and like I said, you have one of the best runners in the league who by fourth quarter is fresher than most of his peers because of the way they, they do things. It, 
It should work in theory. But is the, maybe the point of this, does that apply to every team in the league except the Chiefs? It does not apply when Patrick Mahomes is on the field. Yeah. When Patrick Mahomes is on the field, you've got to come out and sling it and have Baker for, throw for 400. See, I, I, I'm going to push back on this Browns offense relying on its passing game, especially until Odell Beckham Jr. is back, because it's just clearly not a strength. Uh, the Browns got in trouble today when they asked Baker Mayfield to solve problems for them. You saw what Patrick Mahomes can do when uh, Ed Rusher does beat their tackle. He can just ship the pocket and, and make something happen. Baker Mayfield, Doug, you brought up when Jack Conklin got beat, can't do anything out of it. The, the play that ended the game, he gets tripped up trying to extend the play and throw it out of bounds, and he can't do that. You have two running backs, uh, Nick Chubb, average, they each average 5.5 yards per carry in this game. And like Scott said, they have the ability to nurse leads and just keep running the football. And I'm going to have to rewatch it, but my gut instinct tells me Kevin Stefanski got away from that tonight. So you would say they were too aggressive in the second half. They should have been run the ball even more. And that was really the issue. The I mean, opposite they, of what I'm saying. Yes. Here they we got, are again. They got a, Doug, I know, right? Doug Ellis conflict. What else is new? You're probably right. You're always right when you're opposite me. They got away from what they were doing, but we'll talk about uh, what I probably am wrong about uh, later this week. Uh, Carson went. <gasps> you brought it up and I didn't have to bring it up. I'm so happy Carson Wentz and Josh Allen both sucked on Sunday. Oh man. That's why I'm not taking the Browns loss so hard. It's like, well, at least they're better than Josh Allen and Carson Wentz. Yeah, You deserve that one. I mean, I do think we should probably talk about the fact that the Browns had possession, just like in the playoff game, they had the ball twice uh, with chances to take the lead and they were unable to put drives together. Hey, Dan, um, down five twice, got the ball back with six, about six minutes to go, and then with 90 seconds to play, and like you said, punted and uh, that interception. To me, that tells you that the Browns ran into a spot they were in a similar situation in a year ago. They either ran out of got-to-have-it plays or got away from what they do best, which is running the football. And that you have a team that has the ball last – should win in this league. We saw it on Thursday night football, but for whatever case, the Browns again, fall short. And I think that comes down to two things. It comes down to Baker Mayfield's inability to freelance at times against some, you know, top flight pass rushers like Chris Jones and this team, not having Odell Beckham jr. Odell makes that catch that Anthony shorts dropped every time. And I know in, in the post game, not cause I heard it, but I caught it on Twitter that Baker blamed himself on the ball placement on that, that high ball for Anthony shorts on that third and seven with about five minutes to go before the punt. Uh, it touched your hands. You got to come down with that ball. Odell does nine times out of 10 until Odell's back. I, I'm not sure how this team finds explosive. Got to have it plays in their drop back because we've seen it twice now in Kansas city. I don't know. I, I, I understand what you're saying, Ellis, but they won a lot of games without Odell Beckham Jr. last year, too. Now, yeah. they didn't play the best defenses in the world every single time, but they've got a lot of big game players on this team. I mean, David Njoku established himself tonight as a, a big play guy, right? We've been talking about how he can do that, and he did that. Uh, Anthony Schwartz made the big play. You're right. He's got to come down with that catch, but I think they've got enough firepower on this team. I, I, you know, I still think that, you know, this had a lot to do with 
um, you know, Patrick being Patrick and yep. know, knowing exactly what, um, you know, what he's going to do and you, and you still can't stop it, but maybe they stop it next time. John Johnson was also in the locker room getting IVs and he came out and, you know, maybe he wasn't himself on that 75 yard <laughs> touchdown pass to, uh, to Tyreek. I don't know. No, but I, I, I don't think the solution is someday you'll stop Patrick Mahomes. It's like, you're never going to stop Patrick Mahomes. So how do you beat them knowing that either you got to hold on to your lead and stay aggressive, or you have to score on the last drive after he comes back. I mean, the, to your, the point that the Browns defense will get better. Yes. And I do think everybody has to remember that, but Patrick Mahomes is this against everybody. And he has been for the last three years. So you know, th- we, we also have to keep in mind, and everybody noted it on Twitter when it happened, Denzel, great coverage, sacked by Clowney and Garrett to force a punt to get the ball back at the end of the game, which was your money defensive players making plays. But I don't think that's something that you can ever rely upon. I think you have to assume his greatness, so then what? Then get out and hold a lead or then find a way when you get the ball back at the end to march for the touchdown, and as Ellis said, you're the last team to have the ball, so you win. But uh, I mean, I, I I think that's it, Doug. I, I mean, for everything that went so poorly for you in the second half, Miles Garrett did make the money play yeah. when you needed to. Like your best player made the play he was supposed to make, and that was an incredible sack. I, I thought that was when I first saw it. I thought, you know, that that was one of those moments where, like, oh, Orlando Brown's not used to Pat Mahomes dropping back this far. And Miles just ate him up. I mean, Miles made a great play. And, you know, he was trying to make the strip sack and he couldn't do it. So, you know, your best player makes the play he's supposed to make. He gets you the ball back. If, if you want to go to the Super Bowl, you've got to drive down the field and score. That's, that's the scenario. That's what's going to happen. Like, you know, last year was last year when they, they missed that opportunity with Chad Henning playing. You're not going to get that opportunity again probably. But if it's January, whatever – and you're at Arrowhead, and Miles Garrett makes that play again. You've got to drive down the field to win the game. And, and to me, that's you know that's how you beat the Chiefs. When, when you have that opportunity, you've got to make you've got to take advantage of it. Yeah, and if you're going to throw to beat them, again, that's why I stand behind them needing Odell Beckham Jr. to do that because that's when your athletes take over. If they're if running the ball late is not going to be this team's mo or not the way Kevin Stefanski wants to end close games then Odell Beckham Jr.'s presence, I think, changes everything because now we've seen it twice in a row. The Browns get the ball back, and really just twice in this game, and an inability to create plays downfield. I also, Mary Kay, I'm glad you brought up David Njoku, averaged 25 yards a catch, uh, caught three of five targets. I think it's quite clear that they need to involve him more and have him be the primary tight end 11 personnel. I'm not sure we'll see that, but it, he looked the part once again playing back-to-back incredible games in Kansas City. I, I told Scott that Njoku's going to win me over. I'm going to be paying him $10 million a year before this, before this season is over. So I've been trying, Dan. I've been, I've been trying to – you've been holding out on me, but I, I've been trying to talk you into that for a, for a long time. It, I mean, you know me. I'm a, I'm a tough sell. I know. But, I mean, you could just see it happening. I well, we need to remember about David Njoku is that he broke his wrist that, that year, a couple of years ago. And that really, really hurt his development. And 
on this football team, guys improve their hands. Guys improve their hands when they get here with this coaching staff. They get better at just pure and simple catching the football, and he has gotten better. He is a, a bona fide threat, and, uh, and he, is, he is a very, very dangerous weapon for, for Baker Mayfield. So I looked at some stats, and this clarifies maybe the, the play calling in the second half. In the second half, going into the last drive that ended with the Baker interception, they ran 11 pass plays and eight run plays. So they actually, right, I mean, they're still throwing the ball around, right? It's not – now on, the, on the, the Chubb series that ended in the fumble, it was run, run. The, both worked. He had a long run, the play before the fumble. Run again, fumble. So, like, if you want him to run, it's like then he's got to hold on to the ball. So it's 11 pass plays to eight run plays. This is where I think it makes it feel not aggressive enough to me. When they get the ball back with 249 to play, down four, needing to march like Tom Brady leads you on this drive, right? That's the whole point. Aaron Rodgers leads you on this drive. The first play is a Kareem Hunt run for five yards. The second play is a little dump off to Kareem Hunt for three yards. Now you're at third and two, and you've got to hit like a pretty tight little slant to DPJ that he made a good grab. Baker made a good throw. The coverage was pretty good. Now you run a screen, and it's not the Chubb. Ellis is very happy. It's a screen to Kareem Hunt. <laughs> but now you've wasted – maybe waste is the wrong word. You've used up a minute 30 of your time, and you haven't taken a shot yet. You're running the ball and taking little dumps and running the screen. And now here we are. Now you've got to go. And now here's the play where Baker throws the interception. You don't want to be overly aggressive and all of a sudden you're going three and out, but you got four downs no matter what. You're clearly not punting. Where's the ball down the field, the end over end pass to Tyree Kill that gives your receiver a chance to make a play? Where's the Anthony Schwartz speed on this drive with the game on the line? Where's the great mesh route that opens something up for Jarvis? Like that to me, maybe that's what I'm thinking about when I say, were they aggressive enough in the moment? They get the ball back with the game on the line and it's run play dump off quick little slant screen interception. Is that not aggressive enough? Where's your shot? Where's your shot doing Joku? Right. Is that, is that something maybe that next time Kevin Stefanski has his team with the ball Last team with the ball wins. Would he call different plays than he called this time? Or were these good? I almost uh, – I think I would have liked to have seen probably more Jarvis there or more Jarvis in the second half. I mean, Jarvis is going to catch every single thing for you most of the time. He did not have a, a good game in the divisional playoff game, but I thought that's because Teron Matthew kind of shut him down and, and just menaced him the whole game. I mean – that, that last drive there, the interception drive, that's, that's where a Jarvis Landry, I think, can make his hay. You know, your veteran receiver, your top receiver in the game with Odell out, go to Jarvis. You know, let him get some run after catch. I mean, he's completely healthy. Uh, how many targets did, did Jarvis have, catches and targets for Jarvis? Five, Five targets. Five targets. I, that's not enough, in my opinion. That's not enough. When Odell Beckham Jr. is out of the game, you've got your other Pro Bowl receiver there that without Matthew is going to catch everything pretty much. So I probably would have gone more Jarvis. Yeah, and 26 
rushing attempts for this team and, and 28 passing attempts. I guess Jamie Gillen gets one rushing attempt there, which obviously is not a part of the game plan. But essentially what I'm saying is a 50-50 split. And this team we thought maybe would come out passing more. Uh, I think they build towards that. But again, I just I, I was saying all during camp, this team is not going to be a, a drop back type of a club yet because Kevin Savancy is going to have to monkey with his sets, change his deployment and his personnel. And Odell doesn't even play today, like I said. Um, we spent a lot of time talking about the offense. Any Did we learn anything about the defense today? Yeah, I, I mean, I know we're we're thinking like rematch here, but and they, you know, these teams are going to look totally different, not totally different, but they're going to look different by the time they get to that point. But I came away from this game, like just with a bunch of these moments that I didn't see in January, you know, the second drive by the chiefs, it was like 10 plays, I think 10 or 12 plays. They scored on it. It was the Patrick Mahomes touchdown, but there was, there was JOK, uh, making a stop on second and two, like short of the first down on a run play. He just shot through there and made that play. Nobody makes that play last year. Um, Anthony Walker getting to the outside and pulling a, a wide receiver screen to like four yards. That, again, that B.J. Goodson's not making that play last year. Um, Clowney blowing up that jet sweep, you know, just bursting through there. And I know he wasn't really blocked, but still maybe somebody else stops and thinks he needs to drop or something like maybe they're setting something else up. He didn't, he was there and he made that play. Um, you know, Ward had the great play on the, uh, the knockaway on the pass breakup uh, later, but there were, there were a lot of moments like that where things that happened in this game that you knew that they weren't doing last year. And even though uh, maybe the chiefs eventually made it through there and they ended up putting together like a 10 play drive, like the fact that they made them take up, you know, six, seven minutes on most of those, uh, is worth noting. Um, but for other teams the Browns play, those plays are going to be big difference makers, I think. And the fact that they have guys who can make those plays compared to last year when they clearly did. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like while I'm watching this game today, I feel like it's almost unfair to try to come to a conclusion about this defense because you get that 75-yard play from – like, it's so hard to defend this team. Like, there's nobody that stops Travis Kelsey. There's nobody that stops Tyreek Hill. There's, so you're just looking for moments. And to me, I come away, uh, I'm looking at the drive chart here. So they force a punt. You know, the Chiefs were going to get the ball to start the second half. So they get the ball back from the Browns in the first half. And the defense forces a punt. And that prevented the Chiefs from going back to back there, right? Or, you know, the double dip you know, around halftime. I think that was an important moment. And I think it's a moment we would have talked about if the Browns won this game. I think holding them to a field goal after the Chubb fumble was an important moment. I think the Garrett sack was an important moment. And so to me, when I'm looking at this team against the Chiefs, I'm not looking at like, did you shut down Patrick Mahomes? Did you shut down Travis Kelsey? Or did you shut down Tyree Kill? Because show me the defense that does that. But they came through in moments when they kind of needed to and gave this offense a chance to go win the game. So to me, I can't really judge this defense harshly, even if the stats don't look it. You know, I'll judge this defense against teams that have more normal players on the offensive side of the ball. And then when we kind of get to see these guys together for a little while. So I, I don't know what grade I would give them necessarily, but I thought they made those little plays. They had those little moments where it's like, you had to get off the field here, or you had to hold Kansas City to a field goal. And they did it. And so I think that's kind of a small step forward for this defense. I think that's a positive. 
And you know Kansas City is going to have those little moments too because I think you bring up a good point, Dan, of the Browns forcing Kansas City to punt a couple times. But we have to remember both times Kansas City punted, their punter didn't drop the snap. <laughs> and if he had, the Browns would have won. <laughs> That's fair. Are you going to meet the, the hammer at the airport and fight him when they get back to Cleveland? I'm not going to fight I him, like but I am, I, I am definitely going to make the point that him dropping the punt snap lost them the game because he's a professional punter and he dropped the snap and it made them lose the game. So that I'll say repeatedly because I just think not dropping punts is, I mean, if I was going to make a list of like five ways to win, you know how coaches have that right on the thing, like don't have a penalty. I would definitely have number one, don't drop the punt snap. Right. That would be, I mean, it's underrated. And I mean, until today, right. Underrated part of football, but I've always said that I've always said that. Yeah. This is going to be a week one tradition. Something goes wrong with a punt. Because last year it was the fake punt that like just went terribly wrong. So what we about, have something to look forward to next year. But Baker had a chance to pull it out in the end. What do you think about the fact that the game ended on a Baker Mayfield interception? No, that's very true. I also I think they could have been more. I think they could have pushed it more um, earlier in that drive because I do think you get to a point where. Baker sort of feels forced to make a play at that point because you're running out of opportunities. And I think you should do more to try to lessen that impact, lessen your quarterback feeling forced into a mistake like that at the end. But the idea that you had your chance and again, you, your quarterback did not lead you on the game winning drive uh, remains, I think an inescapable truth that will stay with him until he does it in a situation like that. And I do think that's fair, but, you know, I think if Baker Mayfield was your punter, I think he would have not dropped the snap. So that's part of it, too. Yeah, I can't hold that against Baker until Odell Beckham Jr. is fully integrated in this offense. Uh, I understand you should be able to win with whatever parts around you, but this team is engineered with a great O-line and weapons around him for Baker Mayfield to capitalize on all that. Uh, circling back to the defense real quick, I want to say this. I, I got to watch the tape. See how I got the, the, name of the pod in there? But – uh my gut tells me way too much zone defense by the Browns today. Um, that's how John Johnson ends up being the only guy 75 yards deep against Tyree kill. That's how Tyree kill ends up with 11 catches and carving you up intermediate. You Joe Woods, I think needs to go back, look at the tape and trust his athletes more and get in the face of these Kansas city defenders. Always have a guy over the top. That was what Tampa Bay did. And it worked out pretty well too much zone today from the chiefs. And that's how, again, I think you end up with Patrick Mahomes being able to, you know, dink, his way, dink and dunk his way down the field at will. And, and also zone near the goal line, allowing Travis Kelsey to kind of sit in those pockets. Uh, and both those touchdowns to him, Malcolm Smith was the closest person. I, JOK was kind of used sparingly. I don't know if he makes the play there, but um, like, I would think you would want speedy, fast guys able to close quicker if you're playing zone on the goal line with somebody as good as Travis Kelsey. I don't know. Yep. All right. Hey, There's something else oh, I definitely ahead. want to ask before we go. The idea that on the last drive, Kareem Hunt is in instead of Nick Chubb. They, I think, only have one timeout, so you don't have many opportunities to sub maybe, and we know that Ellis doesn't like throwing it to Chubb. It is – I don't know. They have two good backs, right? But it's like the game's on the line. Here we go. And the guy that is supposed to – 
you know, be the, one of the best running backs in the NFL is off the field. Is that just the way it is? Is Hunt the right guy in that situation? Or do you need to find a way to have Nick Chubb on the field there with the game on the line? I, th- I think Hunt's the right guy. I-, I think he's, I think you can do more with Hunt. You can split him out. You can look for matchups. I, I understand what, maybe wanting to have Nick Chubb on the field in certain situations, but yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're going to be throwing the football, I, I want a guy that's basically who, who can play like a receiver. Um, I, I want Hunt in there because I think he can do more and not just catch the ball out of the backfield, but you can line him up in the slot or line him up out wide. And he, he's going to be able to make a play for you in the passing game regardless. Yeah, my guess is they're most diverse or their, their playbook is most open when Kareem Hunt's on the field. Gives him hurry up, gives him two-minute opportunities, and, and he's versatile in every package. Hey, you guys, before we get out of here, I do want to ask you, the Texans, who, of course, is, are up next for the Browns in week two, victorious, 37-21. Tyrod Taylor, nearly 300 yards of offense, uh, passing yards, excuse me, two touchdowns, and then 40 yards rushing. Any worries about Tyrod coming to First Energy next Sunday? Whatever the, whatever the line is, I'll take the Browns and the points. Yeah, they're not playing the Jaguars next week. <laughs> I think that was primarily a function of welcome to the NFL Urban Meyer stuff than Tyrod Taylor world beater stuff. Agreed. And I've already called this uh, game the, the fourth preseason game. So go ahead, Dan, before you. By the way, I just want to point out Kevin Stefanski said after the game, they're going to play the one and O Houston Texans. So even Kevin Stefanski knows that his players are thinking, Oh, it's just the Texans. He's already getting them ready. Uh, to play a team. He's making sure they aren't looking past the Texans already, just moments after the game. As a soundbite, this guy's the next Bill Belichick. Can we just crown him? (laughs) Strictly as a soundbite. We won't get ahead of ourselves. All right, we're going to wrap this up. Um, Again, Browns, losers in week one, 33-29. Sometimes Patrick Mahomes is just too much. Often he is just too much. For myself, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Pasco, Dan Lobby, and Doug Laramie. Le Maurice, I'm Ellis Williams signing off. Take care, y'all.